Thank you for calling Gay Wire. Your call is very important to us. Press 1 for fourth wave feminism. Press 2 for a strangely in-depth discussion about where the worms have gone. Press 3 for... You have chosen option 3. Please stay on the line. Hello and thank you for choosing option 3. You've reached Gaywire, where everything is at least a little bit queer. I'm your host, Terence Adams, and my pronouns are they and them, and occasionally he. Gaywire is of course live on CJSR 88.5 FM, which is located on Treaty 6 territory and Region 4 of the Métis Nation of Alberta. Today, we have not one, but two guests featured in our show, and both are very different from anyone we've interviewed before. For our first interview, I'll be talking with the voice behind at StickingUpYeg on TikTok about their anonymous activism and why they do it, and then I will be discussing with the one and only Biddy Jinkles about the importance of self-care in activist work. But as always, before we begin, some announcements. Never forget that Earth's General Store on 96th Street and White has a free community fridge that is always accepting donations. A community fridge is an excellent example of mutual aid, and speaking of, Q Lawrence is still raising money for their wheelchair. So head on over to at Q just the letter on Instagram for more info. Also, since this episode is coming out on my mom's birthday, I would like to wish her a happy birthday. And, do you have a passion for radio, for journalism, want to join the Gaywire team? Contact us, either through email, gaywire at cjsr.com, or through the Insta DMs at gaywirecjsr. And without further ado, our first interview where I speak with the anonymous activist, at stickingup.yeg. Yes, my name is stickingup.yeg and my pronouns are they, them. So um, I started this weird little project um, on TikTok. Uh, I've been creating, I guess, social justice related stickers and just going around the city, sticking them up, um, trying to get people to think outside the box on some things. And then I've been uploading the 
some videos of me putting up the stickers on TikTok and getting a lot of conversation there as well. Awesome. Why did you start putting up stickers? Yeah. So I was inspired by some accounts that I follow on Instagram and they share different um, posters and stickers from around the world that other um, abolitionists um, are putting up in their uh, cities. And I just thought it was such a unique way to go about um, spreading awareness and education. So I, I just was so inspired. And so I really wanted to take part in that here in Edmonton. So since radio is like a non-visual media and stickers are pretty visual, uh, could you describe what your stickers look like? <laughs> yeah, um, they are a little silly looking, but um, I really like the contrast between kind of a silly looking sticker and a more serious topic. So for example, um, I have a sticker about abolishing prisons and it's got like cute little stickers of a robot on it. And it, it truly looks like a child made it, but I am a really a fan of like the juxtaposition of like, it looks cute and fun, but the message on it is quite serious. Um, what draws you to that juxtaposition? Um, I think it just engages people a bit more. Like they see it and they're like, what is that? Like, why does this sticker have like dinosaurs all over it? What is that? And I think it can just be a great way to reel people in. So what sort of places do you like to put your stickers? Yeah, I've been mostly going around downtown right now. There's lots of, lots of traffic, lots of eyes downtown, but I plan on reaching out to different parts of the city. I would love to go down White Ave pretty much go anywhere and everywhere. <laughs> um, and how, how do you decide uh, where the right place to put a sticker is? Well, I've been trying to find places that I know are, uh, people will see it, lots of people go in that area, but also I try my best to make it relevant to the sticker. So for example, um, I put up a free transit one on the LRT. I put up a land back one in the River Valley. So I try and make it a bit relevant to the environment. Awesome. And so your stickers have quite a wide range of topics that you cover. Um, why, why do you choose to sort of spread that net so wide? Yeah, so I guess some examples of what I've done so far are um, stickers about uh, decriminalization, um, like I said, land back, free transit, abolished prisons. I have a trans is beautiful one. I've got a naloxone saves lives ones coming up later tonight. Because even in my own head, <laughs> I can't even stick to one topic. There's so many things going on in the world all the time that um, I just, I think about all of it. <laughs> and so I guess that's why it's, I find it hard to narrow it down when there's just so much going on. So how, how does it make you feel to be creating these stickers and putting them out in the world? Uh, it's been a really cool experience. I mean, even just creating the stickers themselves, it gives me like a little creative outlet. And then going out and finding places to put them, it gets me outside, gets me in the community, which I really enjoy. Also, what, what sort of work would you consider these stickers? Would you consider them protest? Would you consider them activism? I guess a little bit of both. Um, activism, because yeah, they're spreading awareness, education, um, encouraging people to check out my TikTok to learn more, where I can have conversations with people, put links for resources. Right. So I was going to say it, it um, I also see it as protest because technically it's vandalism. Um, so <laughs> in a sense, I'm, I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. So it's protest in that way. Because, um, yeah, if, if I don't know, if, if I wasn't willing to break that rule, 
then people wouldn't be able to see these things. So what are you trying to accomplish with these stickers? Mostly just try to get conversations started, get people to see a different perspective. Um, when people, if people do see these in person on the street, I put my username on there. And like I said before, my hope is that they will um, look either me up on TikTok or even just look up the phrase that I put on that sticker and they can do their own research about it. Um, and also putting it on onto TikTok then and people seeing it there. Um, it just really goes down to spreading that education and starting conversations. Um, I think a lot of the topics I talk about aren't talked about in the mainstream uh, media, education, etc. So I think getting those conversations started on TikTok is a good, good start. How did you, how did you decide that you wanted to actually like educate people on this? Uh, I'd say with everything, all the many things going on in the world right now and on social media, you can really see the disconnect um, that people have from what I would say is the reality and versus their personal ideology. And so uh, it's really, that was really frustrating. Um, so I just really wanted to try and do something <laughs> to get people to, to open their minds, to see a different perspective. I feel like we're really, we're really closed off. Um, I think uh, colonialism and capitalism has really stifled our imagination. So that was, yeah, a big, a big part of this was just, getting those creative juices flowing within myself and with others as well. Do you find doing this work to be healing? Yes, I find it healing because it can be very easy to slip into that hopelessness when we see government not taking action, people in society not caring about these issues. So um, taking action in whatever way I can, even though it might seem small with these stickers, I'm, I'm doing something and that's meaningful to me. And so I find it very healing um, to be kind of a buffer to those uh, feelings of hopelessness. And why did you choose to um, also promote your stuff on TikTok uh, rather than a different media form? I find there's a wider audience on TikTok. It's easier to reach people. Um, and people, I find people are a lot more willing to have conversations on there whether they're negative or positive. Um, I feel like there's just a lot more room for conversation there. Even certain projects I've tried in the past on Instagram did not get the same amount of engagement. So that's why I chose TikTok. Yeah, because TikTok's interesting um, because you can comment on someone's, uh, on someone's video, but you can't uh, DM them or private message them unless they follow you and you follow them back. Um, and so all of the conversation sort of happens on this public stage, which is very interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess I never thought about that. Um, I, uh, I guess it has its pros and cons. I do like that the conversation is public. I mean, you know, um, in a, of course you can hide behind an account, but at least what you're saying cannot be hidden. Um, but at the same time, Oh, in comments, there's a limited amount of things that you can say in one comment. And so having really meaningful in-depth conversations with people can be a bit difficult when you're like sending three comments in a row, trying to get your thoughts out. Um, so I guess sometimes I would think it would be nice to have some really, some more in-depth, longer conversations in the DMs, but also not sure if I have the time or energy for that, considering when thousands of people are viewing your video. <laughs>
you got to take into account your own energy and limitations when doing your work. Otherwise, it's not sustainable. Yes, exactly. What what do you want people to feel when they see your stickers? I want them to feel inspired too. To once again just just inspired to learn something new, to not come at it with judgment, just to just to see, just to inform their perspective. Um, and hopefully if it's something that resonates with them, maybe it'll inspire, inspire them to go out in their community and do their own type of activist work and whatever that looks like for them. What are some of your favorite ways to educate yourself on these issues? Well, I am currently in school, so that has been a really good starting point. Um, but we do know that school does not teach us everything. It is a, uh, um, a colonized institution. So in certain topics, you do need to go off on your own. And I really love reading uh, literature written by indigenous black folks, people of color. Um, they've got really incredible, valuable insight on these issues that truly impact them the most. So that's why I go to them first. Um, they are the experts on their experiences. So. Um, yeah, mostly looking that kind of looking up that stuff on my own, but also reaching out to um, reaching out to even um, my friends who work in, in the field, they work with houseless folks, they work in housing and reaching out to them and just having conversations about what they're seeing, what they're experiencing and kind of informing my perspective from that as well. Could you speak to just your thoughts on the power of conversation in creating change? Yeah, I mean, if, if we don't talk about it, we don't know what nobody's going to know about it. And so there's a lot of power in just in just in just conversation. It spreads ideas, it it's plant seeds. And you just never know when you plant that seed through that conversation, you just never know what might spark that seed to grow in the future. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to add? And also, uh, what exactly is your TikTok so that people can find your glorious stickers? Yes, of course. My TikTok, it's um, at stickingup.yeg. Um, I just encourage everyone to approach social justice issues with an open mind. There's a lot that most of us don't know about when it comes to these issues and I really encourage people to do their own reading, inform their own perspectives, and then make a decision. Um, it's really easy to share our opinions that are only from emotion and personal ideology and while those things are valuable, I think we need to have a balance of our emotions, our personal ideology, and also people's lived experiences. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Any final words? It can be hard. It really um, takes a lot of self-reflection and um, unlearning a lot of things that have been ingrained into us. So it's not, it's not an easy process. It's not quick. It's definitely a lifelong journey. Um, but even, even, even something as simple as journaling can help. Um, it can help you realize your bias. It can help you start um, breaking, breaking down how you think about the world. Do you have any tips or tricks on how to achieve that balance? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think that's really important. Before, before we can truly like go out and do this work um, in meaningful ways that won't cause harm, we definitely need to start with ourselves first, deconstruct all of that within ourselves, and then we can go out and do this work.
You just heard my interview with StickingUp.Yeg. Thanks for tuning in to Gaywire on CJSR 88.5 FM on Treaty 6 territory in Region 4 of the Métis Nation of Alberta, colonially known as Edmonton. Something that is particularly important to me is avoiding burnout, and for folks involved in community work and or activism, activist burnout is a very real threat. So I'm very happy to welcome Biddy Jinkles onto the show to discuss the connection between self-care and activism, along with some techniques for radical self-care as we explore the article by Nia Simone McLeod, Self-Care and Activism Share an Inseparable Connection. Right. Hello, Biddy. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Great, great. Thanks so much for hanging out with me to chat about this incredibly important topic, self-care. It's been so heavily commercialized and commodified that the definition has become muddled. So let's start with that. What's the definition for self-care? Oh, I really like how succinctly you put it. it. It really is the process of taking care of your own emotional, physical, and spiritual needs, which definitely places it within the framework of healthcare. How is self-care connected to activism? Of course, yes. The activist's primary resource is the self, as they are often working with limited outside resources. Much of their resources lie in their knowledge, time, energy, and effort to continue their work, which is definitely draining. So the connection becomes clear. Self-care is how you can ensure that you have enough energy to continue the work that you want to do. Now, Biddy, what does self-care look like for you? Hmm, that's an interesting method. Could you elaborate on how stealing tissues from someone's pocket is an act of self-care? I see. Let's think of some other self-care strategies. You're absolutely right. Self-awareness is key to self-care. You have to be able to identify the issue along with what things will help you to feel better or worse. Meditation practices can be helpful, particularly body scan meditations, where you sit in a quiet place and start from your toes and work your way up, noticing the tension, the feeling stored in different places in your body, and then releasing the tension, and with that, the feelings. <laughs> No! <laughs> no!
That is a very good point, Biddy. For some people, mindfulness practices like this are really uncomfortable. You stated that it makes you feel very overwhelmed, and so you try to chase your tail to feel better in your body, and that's okay. Movement-based mindfulness is also wonderful, and definitely stay tuned in the coming weeks to hear more about movement-based mindfulness. Another strategy is journaling, as it helps to distance yourself from events and analyze things a little more critically. Oh, thank you for adding that, Biddy. It's also important to let people know what your needs are. This can look like setting boundaries on how many hours you work or advocating for yourself in terms of accessibility aids. You can create what is called a wellness plan to help communicate these needs to others. For sure, self-care is much more than a face mask in the bath, it's an act of resistance. It shows that you know your worth, which does wonders in aiding any community work or activist work you may embark on. Thank you so very much, Mr. Jinkles, for coming on the show today to discuss with me the fantastic article by Nia Simone McLeod called Self-Care and Activism Share an Inseparable Connection. All right, so Mr. Jinkles, do you have any final words? I couldn't agree more. My goodness. That is such an eloquent way of putting it. I'm so glad that we were able to share this conversation with the listeners. Thank you. Thank you, Biddy Jinkles. heard my conversation with Biddy Jinkles, a golden retriever that lives in my home and never pays rent, on self-care and activism. You're listening to Gaywire on CJSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton on Treaty 6 territory and Region 4 of the Métis Nation of Alberta. Be sure to check out some of our other interviews, like this one with Gabe Calderon. Would you, would you mind um, going into how you um, sort of would describe the identity of Two-Spirit for yourself? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So for me, it always goes back to language, right? So to the English word Two-Spirit is very new. Um, that was gifted to us um, uh, based off of Niju Maniduk uh, from a vision that one of our elders, our Cree elder, uh, Myra Laramie had in 1989. And so she brought that to a two-spirit gathering uh, in 1990 outside of Winnipeg. 
uh, and it was sort of like ratified by consensus. But before 1990, before this English two-spirit came about, uh, we have had indigenous um, language terms for thousands of years, right? So I do use uh, Nishmani Dolwak, which is uh, the equivalent of Nishmani Duk in my language, in my dialect. Um, and my understanding um, with speaking with Myra and speaking to other Two-Spirit elders is, uh, so the direct translation, right, Niju or Nij, uh, when we count, Pejik is one, Nij is two, Niswe, Nu, you know, so Nij quite literally translates to two. And then our word for creator or spirit is Manido, right? So Nij Manido Wak, which is the plural. So that is the literal translation, right, Two-Spirit. But what a lot of elders have explained to me and what a lot of people who speak languages other than English will also tell you is the English language is quite limiting. Like it, the way the English language works is you have a word and that word is only that word and it has a definition, right? But in a lot of other languages, especially in Anishinaabe Moan, words have layers. And if you break them down and you break them down even more and more and more, there's just more and more layers and more and more meanings. So one word could essentially have multiple different meanings and and it could essentially you know be endless and so for Nishmanidolwak the plural what was explained to me is that it's someone um, who always sees uh, in the middle with two sights with two hearts uh, and someone who brings balance to their community so that's one of the uh, ways that I define uh, myself the next um, word that I would use is ikhkwewo. And ikhkwewo uh, is a Cree word that was given to me by Jerry Saddleback. Um, and essentially, um, we have, uh, you know, for example, we have iskwewo. And iskwewo in Cree means woman. But what it actually means is uh, someone who carries the fire within themselves. Because the word for fire is iskole um, or iskote. So iskoteo is is so exactly what I'm trying to say, right? It's uh, you know there's layers upon layers. For this one about Jason Kenny's history of discrimination against LGBTQIA folks. And um, how do you feel about Jason Kenny now? Um, comparing the stigma around unvaccinated people in Canada and Alberta to persons with the with HIV in the 80s and 90s I mean it's it's obviously reprehensible um it, it's th there's been this obviously a significant backlash to those comments um in Alberta and elsewhere um what is interesting is like the the context uh which is well known by now of what he was doing in san francisco in the 80s um during the aids crisis to make this comparison now uh it just seems like obviously it's it's horrible and offensive and disgusting but like as as a politician like it just seems beyond unbelievable that he would he would think that that <laughs> did he not make that connection in his own head that people would remind him of this uh uh you know it 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 speaks to i think the fact that 
Jason Kenney and his government, which is really an extension of him and his personality, um, don't see um, certain segments of the population as uh, as experiencing the same kind of humanity as others. Um, that certainly seems to be the case, or at least that's the only logical conclusion you can come to from any number of their policies, whether it's um, uh, safe usage sites uh, to fight addiction, whether it's you know cutting uh, healthcare costs during a pandemic, um, any, any number of things. But the uh, attack on on queer communities, the LGBTQ community, is something that is a long-standing function of the right. It's a long-standing cause of Jason Kenney. He famously said, uh, when back when he was just an MP from Calgary, um, I think it was in 2005, uh, he said that uh, gays can marry, just not each other. Uh, which uh, is just gross on so many levels. Um, but it, 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 it's what, what it says now to bring it up and to bring up the, uh, um, what it says now to compare people who are choosing to be unvaccinated or to not um, adhere to public health restrictions during a pandemic, to compare those people to those who were uh, living and dying in the AIDS crisis in the 1980s, they're not even remotely comparable. Um, one, like one, one of those groups is making a choice, um, but there's, it's not a choice to be a queer person in the 1980s, uh, you know, suffering all kinds of um, oppressive and discriminatory uh, treatment at the hands of uh, your fellow citizens and of your government. And um, it, it, it's particularly, it, it seems like there's just a, a really gross connection there between the fact that this is a vaccine. You know, it, it's a vaccine that's designed and is, is successful in, in saving lives and, and fighting this terrible disease that is killing people. To compare that with people who were dying of a disease in the 1980s for which there was no and still is no vaccine available. I mean, that just, it goes beyond uh, any other, it goes beyond ordinary political crassness. Or even this one with one of our new DJs, Liv McRobbie, from before she was a DJ on Gaywire. I don't know. It's just, I like finding new stuff. I think that's a big thing for me is finding new music, finding new art. I always have favorites that I return to, but I think it's that pursuit of something new that, that makes things interesting for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then speaking of new, um, you recently released an album. Um, so first off, would you take a gander at describing your sound? I have no idea. Um, I think it's funny. I think half of this album, which was made like really shortly before 
I realized I was trans has that sound of, of dysphoria to me. Like, like everything is kind of reaching that point. It's building up and, and just, yeah, I don't know how to describe my sound. It's such a weird combination of a whole bunch of different things. And I just really like, I guess, making it sound like a visual is, is I think why I draw like inspiration from visual art is that I, I almost see it in my head. So sometimes I'm looking for a certain sound and I will think, okay, I want this to sound like it's being like pressed against rubber or you're putting like saran wrap over a speaker or something like that. Like I want it to have this texture, something like that. But I don't know if I really even have a specific sound. People tell me I do, but I can't hear it myself. Whichever episode you decide to catch, you can get them all on your favorite podcasting platform by searching for Gaywire CJSR. And with that, I have run out of time. Thank you so very much to my guests, StickingUp.Yeg and Biddy Jinkles. Be sure to check out at StickingUp.Yeg's work on their TikTok. You can follow us on all the social medias, Instagram and TikTok are at GayWireCJSR, and the Facebook and Twitter are just at GayWire. You can also email us with any comments, questions, concerns, leads, or music at GayWire at CJSR.com. You can also email us if you have a very funny joke. Today's episode was produced by Artemis Peasley and Terence Adams. Our artwork is by Travis Erickson. Original music by Doug Hoyer and Catherine Hiltz. Stay tuned next for a flicker of self-awareness like you've never felt before, and then music. Until then, keep it breezy, and... Please stay on the line.